I'm not as young as I used to be, which means I can't treat my body the way I once did. In fact, last year's medical checkup didn't turn out the best, so I decided I needed to change things up and start eating healthier. One of the ways I do that is by making smoothies. But smoothie shop prices can be pretty high, and making them at home always seem like a pain. You gotta pull the blender out, find the right attachments, set everything up, and then cleaning everything is annoying, making it difficult to quickly whip up a breakfast smoothie in the morning. That's why I'm glad to tell you about the BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Like I said, it's portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. That's especially important to me because I wake up before the rest of my family, and once my kids are up, my morning work routine is pretty much shot to hell. And best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. BlendJet 2 has over 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from, so if you don't like one design, there's definitely one that suits your personality. So what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. Be sure to use my promo code, SuperCinemaPod12, to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use my code, SuperCinemaPod12, that's SuperCinemaPod and the number's 1-2, to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Jane. Laura. I want to feel shitty about you. Well, yeah, well, I, I want to feel shitty about something, and I think that's you. Not really getting it. It's not as a damn it. I want to. My friend here told me that it's better to feel shitty from losing love than it is to never experience love and feel nothing at all, feel empty. And I think he was right, which is how I've been feeling for a long time. I've pushed people away, kept them at a distance because of the fear of that loss. But I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to better live like to that. close off your heart than feel the pain. That's what I did. Yes, I closed off my heart and, and, I, and I meditated. You, did you meditate? No, that's so boring. It actually made me more angry. <laughs> but I'm tired of giving myself over to the idea of fate and trying to figure out what the universe wants from me. I want to live in the moment. I want to live like there's no tomorrow. Throw caution to the wind. I want, I want to be with you, Jane. Well, what do you say? I have cancer. I'm sorry, what? I'm sick. What's happening? Bye. Um, no, 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 no. Jane, 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 Jane. Wait, wait, what wait, Jane. did I say? I didn't mean that. Just kidding. I don't have cancer. Let's go smash something. Jane, I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry for me. When did you find out? Um, like six months ago. I, I was just feeling tired, and then they told me I have stage four, get my affairs in order. And then I heard Mjolnir calling me, so I thought maybe if science isn't working, maybe Viking space magic. Well, that's why you came to New Asgard. Yeah, I thought the hammer. Maybe it could cure me, and I think it's getting better. 
Maybe not. Jane, none of us know how long we have. You don't know what tomorrow holds. And Mjolnir, Mjolnir chose you. And it chose you because you're worthy. And that's something. When I first met you, I was unworthy. I was unable to pick up that hammer. But you taught me there is no greater purpose than to help those in need. You made me worthy. So whatever you want to do, we can do together. Okay. Now, what do you want to do? I want to get those children back to their families. I want to finish that mission. It's probably like a true thought. Mm. How do you feel now? I'm so scared. How are you feeling? Shitty. How shitty? Really shitty. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine. Welcoming a new guest today and one of the co-hosts of the Podcast Assemble Podcast, and that is Tommy. Tommy, how you doing today? Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, so before we get started with the movie and everything, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself and your show? Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. I was actually laughing to myself earlier because I contacted you a little while ago and then life just got in the way and I was like, this guy must think I'm an absolute nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, we've been, I've been trying to get this together for a while. Uh, I'm, as you say, a podcast assemble, podcast and YouTube channel. Uh, we are effectively, we're effectively the start of a bad dad joke. It's an American and a Brit walk into a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's just an excuse for me and my buddy to watch pretty much whatever movies we want to and then talk about them for two hours, get a couple of hours away from the uh, the, the respective partners. Mm-hmm. Nice. Very nice. Uh, so, I mean, by the name alone, most people probably assume it's a MCU Marvel focused podcast. But from what you just said, doesn't sound like that's all you guys talk about. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we kind of started off with a bit of a skew towards superheroes and superheroist movies and TV shows. And kind of as we've evolved, we've just hit our hundred hundredth episode. We've sort of just got Congratulations. into stuff. Stuff. Thank you very much. Yeah, stuff we love. Um, for example, we do a bunch of anthologies. Like we do, we do directors we love. We're currently working our way through all the Chris Nolan movies. I'm sure you know you love the Nolan Batman's. We just did that for our hundred for hundred third episode, I think. Uh-huh. Um, we did the Batman Begins, which is an absolute favorite and a, a bit of a slept on classic, I'd say. But yeah, uh-huh. we've got a bunch of other anthologies like. Movies you want to go back to from when we were kids or movies that our dads told us about that we never watched, like stuff like that. So things that we're excited to talk about. And, you know, it, like I say, it's a reason to not it's a reason to talk for two hours and not have any distractions. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the nice thing. I mean, uh, I don't get the distraction free part, unfortunately, with two little kids. But but it is uh, oh. it is nice to be able to. That's one of the reasons that um my original co-host and I started this show was just, I wanted an excuse to talk to him more about movies. So this, this gave me a reason to talk with him uh, every week. And then after, after he passed, you know, just kind of wanted to keep it going. And, you know, now I've been able to, to talk to a whole lot of other folks, uh, get a whole lot of other different opinions, such as yourself. And it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun doing it that way too. Yeah. Get to meet new people, work with new users. Mm. We actually, um, we actually started ours kind of in COVID podcast assemble and it was one of those things. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're supposed to do all the things like you're supposed to connect with other people to bring on your pod so you can get a broader audience. And we kind of just didn't do that. Life got in the way. Mm -hmm. So we're at the point now where we need to start actually doing that. 
I, I had the same thing because it was just it was just me and my buddy at first. So we were just kind of like talking to ourselves so and fun. shouting out into yeah. the void. Yeah. And um, it was only after he passed and I realized I should want to. And people are like, no, we want you to keep the, the show going. And so then it's like, oh, crap. Now I got to actually talk to other people. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to try. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a whole different experience. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard when you're uh, it's hard when you're an introvert. I've got to, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And especially, uh, you could probably relate to being on the other side of the world from most of the people you're going to end up talking to. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's funny. We, uh, my, my buddy's got a few friends. My, my co-host DL has a few friends who are in the sort of film industry, but in LA. So just connecting mm-hmm. is, is a nightmare because the time differences are so completely different being here in Sydney. Yeah. And it would, that would probably be a good way to get some more listeners, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> we go about it. We go about it our way. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what was your interest in superheroes? Were you a comic fan growing up or are you more lean towards the, the mass media side of things? What was kind of your, your introduction to it, this whole thing? Yeah, totally. It's, it's actually funny. I was thinking about this not long ago. Um, I was a, a massive closet geek for such a long time. So I grew up, my dad used to love Green Lantern. That was one of his absolute favorites. And we, I would sort of grow up around like Daredevil. He had comics and stuff around those. Like he wasn't massively into talking about it, but like they were around. I, I knew about them. His all-time favorite movie, <laughs> and I laugh every time I think about this, was the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. Oh. And I will never, ever not laugh at that fact. He loved that film for some <laughs> odd reason. And uh, yeah, so I think I grew up. And it's I underrated. Had the- it's under The director's yeah. cut, at least, is underrated. <laughs> yes, the director's cut. I'll give you that. Absolutely. But I grew up with uh, this sort of background and never really lent into it. I loved geeky stuff growing up. Like, I love video gaming. I'm a huge Final Fantasy person. Um, I loved I loved the Pokemon games growing up. God, they were RPGs as well. They were amazing. And But in the back of my mind, I had this superhero thing that was kind of itching to get out. And I think when the MCU finally came out, things started to actually be sort of mass media, like you say. People could actually connect with these movies and really see like patterns within them. And that's when I really loved It all really came out <laughs> in the podcast. But yeah, so like I say, a bit of a closet geek for a long time. Yeah, it was a I, I, similar idea there because I remember when I was in in high school, it was I was the only one who who was who was actually who would talk about the fact that I actually read comic books. Nobody else would ever. Other people did, but they would never talk about it. And it was the kind of thing that you just you didn't you didn't let other people know that you were into it. And then uh, first Spider Man, you got to keep going with that. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, but the first Spider Man movie came out, and everybody yeah. was like, "Oh, we want to go see that." I'm like. Really? Where have you guys been for the past four years? <laughs> <laughs> well, like one of my one of my first reasons for really start it started to like leak out just a little bit was that first X Men movie. Uh, I did uh-huh. a video on our YouTube channel recently about uh, about the MCU and some of the problems. And we're going to talk about some of those problems today, I think. And yeah. but my one of my favorite movies is that first X Men movie because even though it sort of didn't quite lean into the wackiness of comic books and the bright colors mm-hmm. and the excitement. It was all the things I wanted. It was these characters on, on screen who were, you know, real to me. And uh, I'm, I, I love the X-Men. I've always had a big thing for the X-Men. But, like, the fact that we got, like, such an amazing actor in Hugh Jackman, I was like, this is what comic book movies should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, X-Men was one of – I always say X-Men walked so that Spider-Man could run. And then Absolutely. Spider-Man ran so that the MCU could fly. Because you don't get to those other ones without having that first groundwork where – X-Men 
gave people a chance to say like, oh, we can take superheroes seriously. We're not going to lean into the, We're not going to put it too far in. We're going to hold back with a lot yeah. of stuff, but yeah. we're going to, we're going to give you a little bit. And then Spider-Man's like, yeah, we're going to use the, the bright colorful costume and we're going to have them swinging around and being a superhero. And then, and the MCU is just like, here's a talking raccoon with a gun and his, <laughs> and his best friend's a tree. <laughs> Honestly, Groot's my favorite character. Full stop. Mm-hmm. But isn't isn't it isn't it interesting that I, I believe Kevin Feige was a big part of those movies? Like I think he was a, yeah. an executive producer on a lot of them, so he learned from their mistakes, especially around that third one. And if you notice, both those trilogies, it's the third one where they kind of topple and fall. Yeah, and it's yeah. Like it's really interesting that how much he must have learned from that experience. Well, you know, you mentioned the the Nolan movies too. That was another example of that what I call the trilogy curse, where it's you know the first one's really good, the second one's amazing, and the third one it's time to shit the bed and it doesn't quite work. Ah, out. I know podcast is supposed to be yes and, but I'm going to go the other way here. I actually <laughs> don't mind Dark Knight Rises. I think I'm one of the, apolog- the few apologists. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, I'm a I'm a bit of an apologist for the movie we're going to be talking about today. So uh, we'll get into Interesting. that. Um, Interesting. Uh, I mean, it definitely has flaws. It definitely has flaws. I will say that. But there's um, there's there's a lot of stuff I like about it, too. Um, but before we jump into that, what kind of stuff are you into lately? Movies, TVs, video games, anything like that can be can be superhero related or not? Oh, mine are all super. Well, uh, vaguely superhero related. And I want to know if you've seen a movie that's just just come out. It's literally only in cinemas. I, I would assume not. But have you seen Across the Spider-Verse just yet? No, I have not because it's an animated film and, you know, yeah. it's more geared towards kids. So when it comes in Japan, I think it's only available in dubbed form in the theaters. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. So I'm going to have to wait uh, until it comes out on video. Right. Cause we, uh, look, it's, the first one is one of my, probably one of my favorite movies. And I actually saw a quote from old mate Tom Holland, the current Spider-Man saying that he thinks into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie. So really? uh, the new the new one just coming out, I went. we went to see that this week. We actually, the podcast just uh, released this morning. It's Sunday. It's the beginning of June. I'm assuming this isn't coming out anytime soon, but we released no, the podcast no, this, this is, morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm so far ahead in recording. This is probably going to come out in like maybe September or something. I don't know. Oh, wow. Time is. Time, is a, time is a flat circle. I have no idea there what's going go. on anymore. Well, look. In yeah, time is a flat circle. In in this in this context of right now in June, it just came out this week. We did a, we did a podcast about it, and it was I'm not I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm going to let you come to your own conclusions. But mm-hmm. we had a lot of fun with it, and I I've just been creating a YouTube video about that. Some of my favorite cameos in it. So that should be up on the YouTube channel soon too. Uh, and the other thing I've been sinking so much time into is the new Zelda game. And I know mm-hmm. on your Guardians uh, podcast, you guys talked a little bit about video gaming in general. Because mm-hmm. it's it's hard, man. It's a big game. It's such yeah. a big game, and I feel like it's one of those things whereby I don't actually do anything every time I play it. I <laughs> I start the thing up. I spend half an hour going from point A to point B, and by the time I'm mm-hmm. to point B, I'm like, oh well, that's my entire half an hour that I had to play this. Game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm just out of time. I love the open world games, but that is one of the that is one of the big issues. It's like I've, if I've only got like half an hour or an hour to play, it's it's not enough time to really do anything other than because so well, there's so, so much, much there's stuff. so much time between between playing sessions. So there's always some update to download first, and then. But yeah, uh, and you were talking about you know Final Fantasy earlier. I'm, I'm a huge Final Fantasy VII fan, and oh, yeah, nice. when um, when remake came out, man, I 
I just dove into that for, I think that was before my daughter was born. So I was lucky. That was still when I had time to play games. But even when she was, when she was a baby, like when Ghost of Tsushima came out, like I'd, I'd be like holding her in one hand and playing with the controller in the other. Perfect parenting, right? So yeah, I mean, it, it's tough finding time to to play around with these games nowadays. Uh, just there's and there's there's so much stuff I have with the PlayStation Plus subscription that's just that I downloaded oh, yeah. for free and just have never had a chance to open up yet. What did you think of the Final Fantasy remake? I'm intrigued. I really liked it. I thought it was at first. I thought they were just gonna do a straight remake, just like you know the same story with maybe mm. some more beats or something like that. But um, I was I was a little curious why they said like the first game would just be Midgar and then when we got towards the end and stuff started started changing I'm like oh oh they're they're doing something a lot more different than I expected this is yeah. this is pretty cool very very like very inception very like the matrix mm-hmm. all these kind of like influences clearly like on the game I really liked it yeah. like, don't get me wrong if they had have just made a beat for beat remake I would have been sound I'd have been so oh, happy yeah, absolutely well. Yeah, I feel like they've gone they've done the right thing for a new audience and made it a little bit more meta. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I love all that multiversal timey-wimey stuff, so I'm I'm all out there for that. Totally. Um, I anyway, to Ghost of Tsushima as well. I actually bought that recently, and I I literally have it. It's still in the it's still in the the plastic. It's just sitting there. And I'm like, I want to play this game, but I it, think I it's bought so good. Elden Ring at a similar time, and that just uh, that just took my life out. I just played all of that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ghost of Tsushima is so much fun. It, it's like it's like playing a Kurosawa movie. It there's even oh, a nice. there's even a Kurosawa mode where you can switch to like all black and white, and it. it's pretty cool. That's awesome. I'm, I'm definitely have to play that mm. soon then, because the new Final it, Fantasy is so out soon. Fun. There's like six, I think it's sixteen maybe. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the new uh, remake one, but um, I still haven't. I played fifteen, and that was that was okay. Um, but like, I've been sporadic on. Final Fantasy since eight. Like I never actually played nine, and hmm. I played. Oh wow, really? Parts of ten. Yeah, yeah. I played yeah. part of ten. I played part of eleven. No, no, eleven was the online 12, one. Yeah, I played yeah. that one a little bit, and then and I played part of twelve. I mm-hmm. didn't touch thirteen and fourteen. I think was another online one. I think I kind don't of... touch thirteen. It's terrible. Uh, there are apologies okay. for that game. I absolutely hated it. As like a hardcore <laughs> Final Fantasy fan. It just broke me. I was like, what is this? Ah. <laughs> yeah, and I played, I think 14 was the other online one. I think I played that when it was free for a brief period, oh, yeah, and then yeah. I yeah, uh, yeah. didn't stick with it. Um, but those MMOs, like, they're just, I, I can't I can't do it. I don't have the time to invest in those things. I, if, like, we don't have the time to play the games, we can just play on our own. Imagine trying to get into an MMO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would just be crazy. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but anyway, today we're talking about Thor: Love and Thunder, the the fourth oh, yeah. movie, possibly final. We're not. There's not seem doesn't seem to be a definitive word on that uh, movie in the in the in the Thor series. Um, again, we got Taika Waititi coming back to direct, um, and of course, the big draw of this one was um, Jane Foster picking up the the hammer and you know doing a kind of a spin on Jason Aaron's. Um, mighty thor run from a few years back um but anyway what what did you think of this movie well before we get into the movie what what's your history with thor as a character in general are you mostly familiar with him from the movies do you know anything about him from the comics look i know a little bit about him from the comics like i said my old man had a few kicking around the whole donald blake thing 
Uh, I always found mm. that a little bit weird. I quite, I quite like the idea of superheroes having like a secret identity, but that one just always baffled me. So I never really mm. gravitated to Thor in that way. But it's funny you mentioned mentioned the Mighty Thor series. I like, I, I have a prop. I bought, I bought that series to to read after this. Like the whole thing, it's a, it's a chunk. It's like I don't know, like mm. two inches thick or something. Because I was so excited about this movie when it's coming out. We actually on Podcast Assemble do like most anticipated of the year so we do like five movies we're super pumped for and i think this was like my my most anticipated for 2022 mm-hmm. and coming off the back of a few other ones a few less than you know stellar outings on the mcu like black widow for example i was like this is going to be it this is going to be the turning point tiger's got it in the bag um and it was so I was so nonplussed by it. It's the, the mm. comic is still in the paper. It's still in the plastic. <laughs> and I know it's probably a significantly better comic book than this movie is, but uh, it's, it's made me feel I need to just give it a bit of a break. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. Um, I will say the comic is amazing. Like yeah, Jason absolutely. Aaron has been cited by, by people who, who are big Thor fans as like one of the, like right up there, like Walt Simonson's like the gold standard for, for Thor writers. Mm. Mm. And, Jason Aaron's been listed as like right alongside him. Like it's it, it he did it a he did an amazing run on that character. Um like I wasn't as big of a I wasn't that big of a Thor fan reading the when I was a com in, really big into comics. I started picking it up when Dan Jurgens was doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh read a little bit of it. It was okay. Um and in the years since I've gone back and I've read a lot of stuff and I've read the whole Jurgens run which is good. I haven't read any of the Simonson stuff yet. I've read the Jason Aaron stuff. I, I love Jason Aaron's work. Um, and I'd also read um, uh, J. Michael Straczynski did a run too. <clears throat> right, right. Excuse me. And that was a really good one too. That was a really, I thought that was, that one actually brought back Don Blake for the first time in years, but actually found a way to make it work pretty interestingly. Um, and I, so I really dug that one. And, but yeah, Jason Aaron's run was just spectacular. And yeah, so but I don't know, like my, my co-host was really big into Thor. Like Thor was like his favorite character, um, uh, yeah. at least, at least Marvel characters. And, um, I could never really connect with the character as much. And, mm. uh, but when I started, when he started popping up in the MCU, <clears throat> I, I found myself, you know, sometimes they, you, you know, the MCU, they'll, 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 they'll change things around with the characters from the comic books, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. <clears throat> And movies in general will do this. Um, but I think MCU more often than not has given me versions of these characters that I like more than I do in the comics. And in some cases, like yeah. I think, I think Steve Rogers in the movies, Chris, uh, Chris Evans portrayal is, it's not that it's better than the comics, but I think it's like the perfect synthesis of what the comics version is. Um, Downey's Stark is he's got the same arrogance and all that as but he's but in the yeah. comics he was never as snarky and so I definitely prefer Downey's take on it and and like you know the Guardians all of them you know vastly superior to, to the comics in my mind um, absolutely but, it's funny you mentioned the the Thor in the movies like I'm a massive apologist for that first Thor movie I, I actually mm. really like it because it's like I don't know you guys were talking about it in your Guardians of the Galaxy episode that the phase one of the MCU it's kind of like a bit of an outlier because he's such a uniquely different character to everyone else. And the fact that yeah. the MCU made this weird Norse God work just for me, like just highlights how great that movie was. And the fact that it, it seamlessly blends in. And then when he, it's the fish out of water character with around, with, around everyone else. And I think as we get into it, I think that's the thing this movie really missed or being that fish out mm-hmm. of water. Yeah. Um, so 
it, it's funny. This is coming at the perfect time because yesterday I recorded an episode on uh, on Doctor Strange, and nice. one of the things that we were talking about, where how with the first Thor movie, they were really kind of trying to straddle that line of like you know how let's introduce magic but only a little bit and they they did a pretty good job with it and then that led to dr strange just being a lot more open with Mm. what magic is and and being embracing the the fantasy side of it and that was one of the things i really liked about ragnarok is it found a way to blend the the fantasy stuff with like the the wacky sci-fi stuff and it did it in a way that worked really well and this one i mean so this movie is is uh, obviously not very well loved, and um, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna say it's my favorite Thor movie. Like Ragnarok is clearly superior. I mean, I yeah. think even the first Thor movie is is def. I think I would put the first Thor movie above this one as well. I mean, I think that is. I'm a I'm an apologist for that movie too. We covered that uh, way back with um, with my original co host Eric, and you know we both loved that movie. And yeah. You know, there's some stuff I would have liked to see more of. I would have liked to see a little bit less of New Mexico, a little bit more of Asgard and, you know, some stuff like that. But other than that, I, I, I love that film. I thought it was, it was great. And, and I, I really thought that what Taika did with uh, Ragnarok was a really, really gave it a new injection of creativity and a new boost of enthusiasm. Hemsworth felt like he was much happier playing the character Mm -hmm. now, as opposed to like... When we got to the Dark World and um, Age of Ultron, he kind of seemed tired, right? I mean, he was still he was still doing he was still doing it. He was still putting in the work, but he yeah. just didn't seem as enthused about the role as he had been in that first Thor movie or in the first Avengers. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting you say that. There's um, I've actually got got a recent video up on the on the YouTube channel about I don't know. Do you know the the trope of like lampshading or hanging hanging a lantern on it? effectively if you if if something stupid mm. or something out of the ordinary is happening in a scene if somebody in the movie quips about that thing being stupid or out of the ordinary then the audience seems to feel more relaxed and sort of like that suspend their disbelief just add a little right. bit more perfect example is like hawkeye in uh, in age of ultron you were just talking about where he's like I've got a bow and arrow. We're on a flying uh, island or whatever. Nothing here makes this, sense. None of this know? makes like, sense. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love yeah, that yeah. line. <laughs> it's me, me too. But it's that's the perfect example of like lampshading. So he is like literally explaining something dumb to another character. So we all go, oh, if they think it's dumb, it's all right to allow it to just be silly mm-hmm. on the screen. And I feel like there's a, a point in somewhere in between, uh, somewhere between like um, – all of the Thor movies where they stop lampshade and they just go full comedy and it's around mm-hmm. Ragnarokish, and might even be between movies. And there's something about it that just doesn't quite work in exactly in the same way a James Gunn movie does. He, he goes a bit too tight. He goes full Taika T on this. And I don't think it quite works. No, I, I definitely, that's, that's a definite criticism I have of this movie. Like, you know, like I said, I enjoy this movie for the most part, yeah. but they're def they definitely go too far into the comedy bits. And yeah. I think they would have benefited a lot from, I think part of the reason is they didn't really seem to know what kind of movie they wanted to do. Right. It didn't, it, it felt like, and I think there, and from what I know, um, there was apparently some, a lot of, you know, changing of minds and stuff going on behind the scenes. So they're like, um, and so they're, they're doing a lot of stuff like reshooting or re-editing stuff yeah. or, you know, doing changing, swapping things in and out with CGI. And because, yeah, I mean, I, there, there's so many different ways you could have gone with this, right? You could have 
I mean, you've got the perfect, you've got a great premise right from the start, right? Thor is in this place where, mm. and that was one of the things I loved about Endgame, the fact that, you know, he had failed being the great hero and, and his mother was like, you don't have to be the great hero, right? You don't have to do that. And his, his whole idea of like, well, I'm going to try and find myself. I'm going to go out into the galaxy with, with, and go out into space, the guardians of the galaxy. I'm going to try and find out who I'm supposed to be. That was such a, and we talked about, you probably remember, we talked about this in the Guardians episode, that was such a great setup, and I'm not sure, and I I would, I would, I wish we could have seen something with Thor, at least having one movie being part of the the Guardians of the Galaxy, and see how he interacts with a different group. I would have, I think that would have been so much fun to see. Like, I don't know if, if you would have done it as a, as like, um, you know, Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy or as Guardians of the Galaxy or, or, or what, what you would have done. But I think it would have been nice to get at least one movie to see them go on at least one adventure. And But instead, and I don't know if it was because of the behind-the-scenes stuff with James Gunn being fired and then being brought back in and then him saying, like, oh, we don't want to use Thor in the third movie. Yeah, it's funny um, listening to him talk about that. He really did not want Thor in that movie. <laughs> yeah, so... And 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 I and I get that right. He had a he had an idea for these three movies he wanted to yeah. do, and that and that's totally that's totally valid. But you know, and and also like you know, like I said in that movie, it felt like Adam Warlock was kind of just like tacked on there. It didn't really feel like that was what yeah. he was originally intended to be. Um, and then here we get you know we get Thor with the Guardians at the beginning, and um, we you know, but it's it's almost like an afterthought. It's clearly just like, we got to clear the decks and get this out of the way first, and then we can move on to the other story. And then you've got the whole thing with Jane, which I think is the most interesting part of the movie. And it's, and it's just, it's, and I think this it's, I was really thinking of guardians three when I was rewatching this, because that whole idea, what I loved about guardians three was that whole storyline, how they took that idea of Gamora is now Gamora from the past. So she doesn't remember Peter. And, and the whole idea of it's a metaphor for falling out of love with someone. I thought that was be- that was a beautiful story. Great. I feel like there was some of that in here, like that whole idea of unrequited love and all that, that that would have been really interesting to play with. And we never really got it never really played with that concept in any way that I thought it needed to. Yeah, agreed. And I think watching this movie back, I've got there were two thoughts I had. First, my first thought was. This movie is way better when you can sit with a Nintendo Switch and play Zelda and not really have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and my second was that the Jane Foster stuff was so underused. I thought she was amazing mm. in this. And, and I know from the comic book, my knowledge of those comics, that she is phenomenal in, in that run. And like it's, it's her mm. struggle against you know, the cancer that's slowly killing her that really gives heart to those comics. And I think there was some of that in this. But we go back to that lampshading thing or that problem of the humor, like the humor, like they could, Taika Waititi just can't let a scene rest. And I always mm. make this this um, comparison and it's a random one. And give me a second, I'll, you, you'll understand what I mean in a minute. But I used to love Scrubs. Scrubs was one of my all time favorite mm. shows growing up. Like I was a teen, oh, yeah, same perfectly here. timed. Yeah, perfectly timed. And if you watch those first four series, they are immaculate. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. And something around season four, season five changes and it becomes a bit wackier and it's not quite the same. And yeah. I think someone, I heard, I can't remember I heard this, I'm stealing this, but someone summed it up perfectly for me. It went from being a drama with comedic elements to a comedy with dramatic elements. And I think mm-hmm. that's the change we've seen with this character. And 
the fish out of water part that makes him so compelling and the drama that goes with that is kind of now in the background and it's not the same and much as I yeah. love this character and like you say it just doesn't quite work no yeah I think that that's totally fair and I think at at some point Taika forgot that this was supposed to be um a superhero a serious superhero movie first yeah. with comedic elements and totally then that he kind of got away from that a lot in this movie and he leaned a little bit too heavily into the humor. I mean, and also going back to the the whole idea of this being overstuffed, right? I mean, you've got Thor trying to find his place in the world. You've got Jane, you know, struggling with this idea of do I use the hammer and hasten my own demise or do I, you know, just succumb to like a human uh or do I just kind of like, you know, try and whatever you know what i mean i'm not can't really figure out how to phrase it right now but you've got that then you've got the whole thing with valkyrie and new asgard and how she's mm. you know she's the king but she's she hates the bureaucracy of it all and she wants to go out on adventures again and mm. then you've got you've got gore and you've got this whole thing about well the gods haven't done anything for us why it's better to live in a godless universe i loved every i loved all that stuff with gore i yeah. thought that was great and it's just totally. like you've got these four very compelling ideas in here each one of those could be a movie in its own right instead they just Agreed. cram them all into one and it doesn't have the time to really focus on any of them oh plus you've yeah, also got the guardians there too so that's that's technically five <laughs> things you could have there it's too much and i'm, and I'm with you on that and i think i think going back to gore like that had so much potential that character especially with that mm -hmm. comic books run and the, th the thing with that comics run is it's it's massive it's it's like mm -hmm. sp spanned like multiple years and I think that's yeah. a problem when you get these sometimes decades spanning comic book runs, which have so much detail and so much intricacy and they just try and like cram it down and go, Oh, let's give you the, the, the you know, the, the quick version of it. It doesn't seem to always work. Dark Phoenix is a perfect example of that. Her, twice. They did that twice. Yeah. Twice, <laughs> twice. <laughs> I, I refuse to watch the second one. I'm not going to lie to you. Much as I love McAvoy and, uh, uh, what's the other guy? I forgot his name. Which I love. Oh, like, Fastbender. Fastbender. I think he's phenomenal. Love those guys. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. And that's great too. Um, when I saw that movie coming out, I was just like, um, I think I'm good. <laughs> Dark Phoenix is, oh, God, that movie. It's, it's, it's really bad. It's really bad. Somehow they managed to look at the last stand and say, how can we make this worse? <laughs> <laughs> well you think they learn and it's so funny that hollywood seems to always take the wrong thing out of movie failures have you noticed that mm -hmm. they always go oh this yeah. failed for this reason or if something something does well unexpectedly like i don't know venom they give you more you know like turd rolling in the wind rather than you know the things mm -hmm. that made it great you know venom being venom. Yeah. yeah oh yeah i mean well i mean you know, I've been rewatching Community lately. I think that's a good example where they're like, you Great know, show. we don't need Dan Harmon for this. Let's take him out. And it's like, well, that's, let's keep Chevy Chase. And I'm like, well, you're you're forgetting what is working here and what's not. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I love all the the community references in Rick and Morty. It's just like I, I haven't seen that actually. I I still got to get into that. Really? Oh man, I feel yeah, like you'd yeah. love it. It's great. It's really really meta, really deep. Mm. Um. It's got a bit strange in the later series, but that's all right. They've got to go through their maturing curve, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like going back to this movie too, like the the gore stuff. I thought was like I remember a lot of people complaining about gore, and uh, like when I was watching this last night, I'm like, I thought 
his uh, besides Jane, I thought his was the most interesting part of the movie. I thought Bale yeah. was doing an, a, a phenomenal job in this. Like he was, he, he's chewing like some that, serious scenery. I mean that that opening scene, and it's probably because you know I, I'm a father now, and it's just like that was heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Where he's like he's like pleading for to the gods like to save his daughter, and like you know just. I just on a personal level, I could relate so much to what he was going through and that even up, up until the end, like I could, I could relate so much to that, but, and then you contrast that with like, he, these like very dark, sinister places he goes to and how very genuinely scary he is in some of those scenes. Like I thought his yeah. performance was incredible. I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. The only minor thing I'd say about that is, he really goes from zero to a hundred <laughs> yeah, in no does. time at all. He goes from being like this, you know, seemingly like, you know, really nice father figure who's, you know, he to, to like, he's got the spiky teeth and the red eyes and he's terrifying. Like overnight, there's no middle ground. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think that's really, really shows how his character has fallen so far. Yeah. Well, I think to the point you were saying before about this being a, a longer story, like that's, that's something that could have played out in like over like Absolutely. the course of like two movies or something. Like, I think that would have been um, a much more interesting way to do it. Plus you got all that stuff with the gods in here, which I mean, like talk about chewing scenery. Like I, like the, the, the whole thing in like the celestial city or whatever it's called, it's, it's totally goofy, but I, I loved Russell yeah. Crowe in that sequence. Did you? Tell me, tell I thought it was like, so I much fun. Yeah. I just thought it was so much fun. It was, it was so ridiculous. It was so over the top. And I know a lot of people, were were down on it because of the way it treated Zeus, but I thought it made perfect sense for the message they were trying to give. Right, these are gods who don't give a shit. They've just yeah. gotten, you know, they've gotten flabby and and soft and and just they don't care about anything but their own decadence. And especially if you go back and you look at mythology, that's one hundred percent accurate. <laughs> like it's oh, it's exactly absolutely. what they were doing. Well, it's funny. I played. We were talking about video games. So I played the recent God of War Ragnarok game, and Thor mm. is just a big dude. Like he's not like you know Hemsworth ripped or anything. He's just a dude with a big gut who's really tall and swings his hammer around. That is exactly what they were in mythology. They're not yeah. necessarily they uh, they're not necessarily these sort of like I don't know bodybuilder type beautiful beings. But it's it's you're exactly mm. right, and I think it's it's interesting that it's interesting the sort of juxtaposition of like them being gods and them being incredibly powerful, but yet they're still hiding. They're still stopping mm. the world getting to them or getting gore, let, letting gore get anywhere near them effectively. And when, when they're in that scene where, you know, Thor's calling them all out, how they all shrink away from any sort of just anything that might call them to action. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember there was this one image I saw. It was a, uh... Yeah, um, what caused most problems in in Greek mythology, and it's like um, uh, some god threw a hissy fit because a human was better than him. Fate prophecy that couldn't <laughs> yeah. be avoided. Hubris, and these these three only comprise about like maybe twenty percent of the pie graph. the The rest of it is Zeus couldn't keep it in his pants. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> yeah, I mean Russell Crowe's a perfect character for that, right? He's he's the perfect he's the he did such a great job playing that version of Zeus. I thought it was it was great, um, and especially I think it's again this is another example of this is a six point that is that shows like how how much stuff is stuffed into this movie. This yeah, whole idea absolutely. of you know Thor cares because now he has lived among the humans, right? So he's he's been an Avenger, he's been a superhero, he's he's traveled the galaxy, he cares about people, he's learned humility and all that, and all of that 
And that that would be really interesting to look at, the fact that he's there advocating for humanity to gods that don't give a shit anymore. I thought yeah. that's another very interesting thing that could have been really cool to explore, but it's just it just kind of gets stuffed in as an afterthought. I'm 100% with you. The thing, the thing that really, going back to the broader, like st- taking a step back from this movie, and the thing that always takes me out, especially when I'm watching like that scene where they're, where they're in the Colosseum with all the gods is like just the quick fire jokes. Like that, it, mm. it, it just, just let it sit. Let it be a serious moment. Let Thor realize that his hero maybe isn't, maybe he shouldn't be your heroes. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. he's not the all powerful. Uh, but no, they have to, you know, flick off his clothes or whatever it is. It's like, give me, give me a second. Just cog shut up for just a minute. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think that, that was another thing too. I mean, like Korg was, was great in Ragnarok. He was great in, uh, in Endgame, Right. But what made him great is that he had just these small parts, right? These little yeah, parts. 100%. And it's like l- less is more and with, with a character 100%. like that. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mi- minimalist is something that I mm. don't think has ever been in Taika Waititi's vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even in, in Ragnarok, too, I felt I felt like as, as much as I love Ragnarok, I did feel like there were places where he was pushing the line a little bit too far with the humor. And right. I think he... I think he benefited in that movie from having, because that was his first movie from Marvel. So he probably had people looking over his shoulder a little bit more. And pro- he probably had Feige saying like, hey, pull it back a little bit. Pull it back a little yeah. bit. I feel like after the success of Ragnarok, he didn't have that anymore. And he had a lot more freedom. And I think when you give a director a lot of freedom, sometimes it can be a good thing. Sometimes, though, directors need to be reined in, right? There's a reason why it's a collaborative process. And I think that's, yeah. I mean, you look at someone like, Again, take there's so many comparisons between James Gunn and Taika Waititi because they 100%. both have these kind of similar styles. They both use a lot of humor in it. They, their movies have a lot of heart. Um, whereas Gunn, I think, is a little bit more disciplined as a director, and he's able to he's able to find that line. He goes right up to that line, but he doesn't cross it. Absolutely. Taika think- went up to that line. He started to dance around a little bit in Ragnarok. This in this movie, he just kind of charged right over it. Hundred percent, and it, it goes back to that thing where James Gunn knows how to keep keep a movie as a drama with comedic elements, and then this is yeah. just a attempted comedy, right? Like, there's no there, there's no bravado here. This is just attempted at being like a full blown comedy, which you know, yeah. like fair enough. Like, I, I think my favorite part of the MCU is that even going all the way back to the likes of the Winter Soldier or Civil Civil War, things like that. It, the, the MCU really shines for me when they take a genre. And they wrap superheroes around it. They go, yes, you know, this is a spy espionage movie, but superheroes are in it. And that's great. And I love them trying new things. I'm always open to see. I'm excited when they do a Western. My, my co-host mm. TL, he's a massive Western guy. I'd love to see what that looks like in the MCU. But like. Oh, yeah, we did get a, we did a Logan. That was basically a Western. It was. It wasn't MCU, though. But then if Deadpool true, true, true. 3 is going to be part of the MCU, he, there's that little crossover there, isn't there? I mean, I think they said that this is going to be a Logan from a different universe is what it is. Right, it's right. not going to be the same one from the Fox movie. So, um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm really interested to see. But, yeah, I mean, I would love to see. Um, I, I think once they bring Wolverine into the MCU proper, I think you could really do like a because I think Wolver, you do solo Wolverine movies and you structure them like Westerns. Like he is a he's basically a Western character in a superhero universe. Ah, so that totally. would work perfectly well. Um, I love that idea. I, there I'm was a. Um, you, sorry, you go. 
Uh, check. There was a Greg Rucka did a run on Wolverine back in the early 2000s. I think it was right around the time of that the second X Men movie came out, and it was very much like that. It was you know, it was Wolverine like being like kind of like this you know, wandering character. He's like going into this town and like you know, and and you know some troubles happening in this small town. He comes in and he tears shit up basically. And that's yeah, nice. It was. It was it was great and it was a wonderful probably one of my favorite Wolverine runs ever so check that out if you can. Uh, sorry, I've been really trying to, to find no, I've been really trying to find the Old Man Logan comic book run like just as a, as a block and it's really hard to find. No, not a fan. Well, the the original stuff that Mark Miller did it it's like it's it's the quintessential it's like that comic perfectly encapsulates the good and bad of Miller like the um, whole idea of Wolverine old and being like kind of like this Clint Eastwood and Unforgiven type fit, character. That's amazing. But then you contrast it with redneck inbred bred hulks and it's just like, <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. And, um, yeah. But there was um, a few years back after the Secret Wars crossover, they brought Old Man Logan into the main Marvel Universe. Yeah, That run is a really good run. That is a really good run. Okay, I'll check that out. That's awesome. I think that is... Um, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but uh, uh, he was—he'd also did a great run on uh, Green Arrow a few years back for for DC, and um, and he he was amazing on uh, that Wolverine run, that Old Man Logan run. Yeah. Well, I think going back back to what we we're talking about, like I I like the idea that they attempted more of a comedy focus. I just don't think it really resonated. I don't think the dramatic moments held with you know the amount of comedy that was in there. Even though I really like the universe they were trying to create here, like it feels <laughs> like something different. This sort of superficial, um, everything's everything has to be gold. The gods, are, the gods' fingerprints are across everything. I, I really enjoyed that. The thing I didn't enjoy was the fact that you didn't actually get to see the god butcher butchering any gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, only, you only get that that first scene. That's all we get, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Like you get that amazing shot that's ripped straight from the comics, where you've got the the huge. I, I forget the name of it. The huge dead god, and Thor, Thor knows him. Um, I want to see that fight. That's the one I want to see. Mm. I don't want to see him kill some pompous gold guy. Well, also it was, and speaking of that scene, like I, you know, Jamie Alexander, you finally bring her back after she was, she was out of Ragnarok. Yeah, tell me about it. She's just completely wasted in this scene where it's, it's played for laughs. And it's just like, there's, I was like, she's, she's such a better actress. Her character is so much better than the deserves so much better than what she got in this. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I, I don't know why she wasn't in Ragnarok in the first place, like thematically as in, in terms of story mm-hmm. reasons. Didn't make sense. But I, I do like the idea that she's still in the universe. I'd like to see more of her. I think she's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was she was great in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when she popped, those times she popped up on that. And it really made me want to see more of her. Uh, I... I said she was great in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... I stuck with it for about, I think, I think I, I haven't watched the last season, but like the Inhuman stuff really started to lose me. Um, yeah, okay. But I think, I thought the first two seasons were pretty strong. Um, okay. And, and the Ghost Rider season, at least the, the stuff with Ghost Rider was, was good. But, Ghost Rider is uh, awesome anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, but I thought, but her appearances in that, I thought she was great in those appearances she had on that show. And it really okay. made me want to see more of her at playing Sif. And, um, you know, then she ended up doing that TV show, Blindside or Blindspot or whatever it is. And mm. I think that, mm. that caused a lot of scheduling 
conflicts. And, and I think that was one of the main reasons why she wasn't in Ragnarok. Um, I bet she really enjoyed also- her role in the Loki TV show where she just could walk in, knee Tom, Tom Hiddleston in the nuts and walk off, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who gets to say they've done that on film? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's another example, you know, this character is just wasted and, you know, Valkyrie too, like she's, you know, such a great character that we get in Ragnarok oh, yeah. and we get these such a great setup at the end of uh, Endgame with her taking over Asgard. And again, that premise right here, like she's clearly bored with being king. She doesn't like this. And that whole idea of, you've seen Superman too, I assume, right? Yeah, cool. You know that scene um, when they're in the White House and uh, Ursa says to Zod, you are Lord of all you survey. And he's like, and he's just very bored. And he's like, as I was yesterday and the day before that. And he's just like, he was uh, so yeah. bored of, with the idea of ruling. He wanted to conquer. And it's like, I get the same kind of feeling from Val- from Valkyrie where she doesn't want to be a ruler. She doesn't want to be a king. She wants to be a warrior. And um, and like, too, like the, the brief moment she gets where she's interacting with Jane, I wanted to see more of that. Like I would... Honestly, what I kind of was hoping for this movie is this would be a way to close out Chris Hemsworth's story as Thor. Give him like, you know, mm. uh, n- not even a death scene, right? Because I think that would be playing into the the whole heroic death thing that he was supposed to sure. be getting off that path. I think this, you know, have him I, in a way I can't. I'm, I'm mixed on the ending that happens with him. On one hand, I do like the idea that he's kind of settling down a little bit. But on the other hand, he is still going out there being a hero. I think that's and the whole, you know, bringing in the love at the end was kind of it felt very yeah. forced. Didn't feel like it was really it, it felt really tacked on. I mean, it did like the nice I did like that they brought in his actual daughter to play that part. That was cute. Did, did you? I found that a bit like I feel like there's a bit of it, there's a bit of creeping nepotism in these movies. Like it's just sort of like <laughs> just coming in around the corners and you're a bit like, oh, OK, his wife was in the second one. Now his daughter's in this one. It's a bit like. Come on, guys. I, I, I like what you mean. I know what you mean, though. And I, 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 do like, <clears throat> I do like the new direction they kind of aimed for with that character. I think I, I like where they got to. I just didn't love the journey to get there. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Prime example of being taken out of this movie was the, the weapons and the whole weird thing with them sort of being oddly sen- sentient. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Stormbreaker was, some, was like a moody child or like a... A, a, a like a jealous girlfriend constantly. yeah 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 it was like what is this and like that was time, yeah i think i laughed at it and i was like oh yeah that's that's a comedic moment but looking back on it it's like what it, what is this trying to say yeah they they put like it was it was a fun gag when like he's trying to he's trying to summon mjolnir and stormbreaker comes and he's like oh it's it's you yeah. just what i was looking for and i'm just like <laughs> okay yeah that's funny but they they pushed the, again Taika took it too far. He took the joke way yeah. too far. Just like, yeah. you know, to your point earlier with Scrubs, like season five and season six, they've got some great comedy bits, but yeah. they took the comedy too far. Like I remember one scene when, um, you know, Turk hides JD in his backpack and JD's like all crammed. It's like, that's, <laughs> you, you kind of forgot what made this show work. I mean, it's a funny yeah. bit, but yeah. it just doesn't work for what you're trying to do here. And suspending disbelief is such a big thing, especially in these movies. And the thing, yeah. the thing that I loved about the early MCU, and I keep, I keep going back to that. I'm sorry, but like <laughs> the reason I loved Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in the very beginning was this felt real. Like you know, the yeah. whole Tony Stark building an Iron Man suit, like it doesn't feel a thousand years in the future. 
like you see some of the weird mech stuff they're creating and you're like oh yeah that, mm. that that could easily be turned into something and the fact that the norse stuff was it's just science we just don't understand it like all that yeah it's great and it's kind of relatable and the fish out of water everyone's been in that situation where they're in a situation they they don't feel comfortable in or they're maybe in a different friendship group that doesn't what you, they, they don't know anyone uh, and right. they took they stripped stripped all of that out and put jd in a backpack as you say <laughs> yeah yeah um well also too like the whole idea of the gods like there was that one of the greatest parts in that first thor movie was when um when darcy says you know a primitive culture like the vikings would have thought these extra dimensional beings were gods and yeah so, so they're, they're not actual gods they're extra dimensional beings that are just really powerful yeah. they're they're space aliens basically and that is kind of undermined in this movie when you've got, you know, the gods hanging out in this celestial city and it, and it's not in the, in the MCU though, like in general. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the celestial? It's never, well, I think, and Ragnarok kind of muddled the, muddled these waters to begin with. And I think where it's like, okay, because the whole idea, my interpretation was that Asgard was a separate dimension, but now in Ragnarok, it's like a separate planet and it just, yeah, it, it it felt really bizarre, and I wasn't sure how they those things. It, it it feels like, and I think part of that Ragnarok in some ways was like a soft reboot of the Thor stuff, um, which is why they yeah. killed off everybody. <laughs> Kinda, I think the thing that I I did, I know, I know I've been really down on this, but the thing I did really like about this movie, and I'm going to go back to, back on myself a little bit here, was some of the action. So I feel mm. like when you take when you go aside from all of the nonsense and all of the jokes, and they tried, Taika Waititi can do a really good action scene. Like mm. so, when you when you're talking about Ragnarok, when all of Asgard gets wiped out by Hela, that's awesome. That's such an awesome mm. scene. And then when and and then when Serta, you know, destroys it with with the giant sword. God, I hope people have seen these movies. Otherwise, we are really spoiling them. Uh, but in the scene, yeah, Serta, so Serta comes in with a sword and he drops down, destroys Asgard. Uh, I really hope people have seen these movies, otherwise we're really spoiling them for people. <laughs> but I think James, uh, James Gunn, I'm getting confused now, I think Taika does, does really have a good eye for the action stuff. Mm. And in this, he brings that back, you know. So, for example, the scene where they, they enter the, the zone where it's all where all the colour gets sapped out and it's just black and white, that's mm. really visually interesting. And though the, the enemies they're fighting, you know, they're not that, you know, they're not exactly riveting, they're just sort of like shadow right. monsters. But like it's an it's visually very interesting, and I like what he tried to do with that. Yo, yeah, same here. I thought the the fights were one of the 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 action was one of the one of the high points of this movie. Like yeah. especially like the way Jane fights. I love the idea that because one of the big questions I had was going into this movie. I think everybody had was okay. So how is Mjolnir factoring into this? Like how is yeah. is it the one from the other from the other universe? Like what is? The, and then you find it's it's it is still fractured. It's just she it's been reassembled and i thought also too i think it would have been nice to have a scene where it's like thor being like why didn't i think of doing that (laughs) (laughs) well i I think that leans into what you're saying before around the jane foster arc in this and i really like Mm -hmm. the fact that mjolnir is kind of part of that because obviously you know there's that there's i quite like the background scenes they're the ones where it's showing you them them in a relationship and how maybe it didn't work out i found that really affecting i thought that was great Uh, and the fact that he, he he'd asked mjolnir to be like take care of her and it's it's, mm. it's doing what he what he asked this sentient hammer to do but mm. I, I thought that actually really worked in this scenario oh yeah absolutely that was so great um i feel like it's 
part of me doesn't I, I like it. I'm of two minds to that because on the other hand, it feels like it's, you're also undermining Jane's own worthiness because in the comic, she's able to pick up the hammer because she is worthy. And yeah. whereas here it, it, it seems like she's picking up the hammer because Thor gave the hammer permission to Told be picked up by her. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think the whole worthiness thing is completely ruined in this. Sorry for jumping in. If, if you no, go yeah, to the absolutely. final scene, um, where Thor effectively gives all the kids like the worthiness to use anything mm-hmm. with the power of Thor. It's like, well, if everyone's worthy, what's the point in it? Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I think that the worthiness thing, it's the worthiness enchantment is, is weird the way they've done it in the movies, because sure. I think it only, it only ended up being used. It was kind of like, it was kind of used as a plot device in the first movie for Thor to be unworthy, yeah. right? Because there's that there's that scene when Odin puts the enchantment on it. And up until that point, it wasn't enchanted. And then only after that point does it get enchanted, which is why, like, everybody can lift Stormbreaker. But yeah. the whole... Th- so I don't think the hammer giving powers is necessarily because of that. It's And it's also... It's also kind of confusing because we had that whole arc in Ragnarok where Odin tells him, you know... The hammer was not the yeah. source of your powers. The hammer is a conduit. It's a way to channel and focus your powers. Yeah. And I know people said that they didn't like an Infinity War, how he goes and gets a new hammer. I'm like, no, that actually makes sense because he still needs something to focus the powers in a more concentrated way. And yeah. so it makes sense. It makes sense for me why he'd need Stormbreaker. But this movie seems to try to have it both ways. It's this idea of like the power is in him, but it's also in the hammer. So I was kind of confused yeah. about how that worked. It was interesting they also introduced yet another weapon. I feel like it's mm. weapon overload in these movies. You know, there's the the lightning bolt of Zeus as well, which yeah. becomes his new. Well, it's sort of it's in it for like a minute and then it disappears. He doesn't get it. He obviously he doesn't seem to take it take it with him. I'm not sure he, he mm. might do, but it's like what? Why, why does Thor need all these weapons? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was another thing too. It felt like the whole. Again, it just feels like that the whole the whole thing with the gods was just an excuse to get this weapon, and it was just a MacGuffin. It 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 doesn't actually serve totally. any purpose. Totally. It'd be one thing if the if the um, if the thunderbolt was actually the key. I think that might have worked a little bit better then. Yeah, something a bit different. I think that would have made made a lot more sense. Like, mm-hmm. I I I feel like what they did was they painted himself into a corner. He had a great weapon. He had, mm-hmm. They had um, Natalie Portman's character uh, also having a weapon, and they're like, how do, we, how do we make some sort of, where's the tension here? How do we make it, right. how do we take something away? And it's taking the axe away, you then have to go and get another weapon. But it just doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. Um, we haven't really talked about the big MacGuffin in this, though. I love that word you use, by the way. That's probably my favorite, favorite word <laughs> in, uh, in reviewing movies. Like, talk to me about Eternity, because I don't know a huge amount of mm-hmm. Eternity from the comics. But I feel like in this, it's it is the epitome of a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the attorney like I'm I'm not so Cosmic Marvel is like one of my blind spots. I'm not very tuned into Cosmic Marvel. I know Eternity exists as a character. He is like this kind of like all powerful being. But other than that, I don't really know a whole lot about him. Um, okay. I thought he looked great. I thought they did a great job of translating yeah. the character from the comics, and it looked yeah perfect. Um, but one of the big problems I had too is like, okay, it seems like because I'm unless I'm missing something, this whole thing about being able to approach eternity didn't seem like a surprise to Thor. It's something he'd known 
had existed. 100%. Yeah. So when Thanos wiped out half the universe and you have the key to eternity, why not? I mean, you don't know it's the key, but still, you know that this this is a possibility out there. It seems like a good time to go out and find out what's the hell's going on here. A hundred percent. Like, yeah, I, I get it. He needed to create the hammer and infinity war, but like, as soon as you know, this is happening, why, why are you not at least checking this out? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, I mean, in, I mean, infinity will understand it because you know, he's, he's the big hero. He doesn't feel like he has, he feels like he can take on Thanos himself that I get, I get that. It's part of his arc, but when you're an end game, then this holy, you need to have the eternity thing be something that is new to him in this movie yeah. for it to work in Absolutely. the continuity. Otherwise it's just like, well then dude, you half the universe was wiped out. You were, you were drinking beer for and eating pizza for five years when you could have been going to eternity and figuring and, you know, asking him to do something about this. I mean, yeah. you think it would have been something you would have at least explored, but he, <laughs> and it, the same thing with the gods and the celestial city, right? Thanos wipes out half the universe this might be a good time to see about talking to the other gods because you know that you know where the place is, you know how to get to there, you know that yeah. they exist. So why aren't you going out and having a conference with them? Absolutely, and and if Thor, like in general, like that character seems to be not terribly far away from a Thanos level of power in mm-hmm. in the movies at least before Thanos gets the stones, and right. if some of these gods are potentially more powerful than Thor, like. Well, come on, guys, help us out. They can yeah, wipe half yeah. of you out as well, you know? I mean, and this would have required a, a level of planning that I don't think Marvel really does. They, they kind of have, like, the illusion of planning things out. Mm. Um, but I think one of the things that would have been a good idea was to introduce Gore earlier in these movies and have him killing the gods in the background. So then you don't have this problem when you get to the when you get to Endgame. Absolutely. You don't have these questions. Absolutely. And, and something I actually find really fascinating, and I, I reheard this the other day, and it's something that was in my brain but had slipped away somehow, was that, so initially the idea was after, I think it was after Guardians 2 or after maybe uh, Infinity War, James Gunn was originally going to be like a mini Kevin Feige for the cosmic side mm. of the universe. So yes. you have Feige who heads up the whole thing, but mainly keeps his focus on the, the ground level stuff. And he lets James Gunn run away and do the do the intricate intricacies of the story in the cosmic side. Now, mm-hmm. to me, like if James Gunn hadn't, have, you know, you know, had his whole uh, cancellation for a little while before coming back, if you imagine the story he could have built in the cosmic side, I can totally imagine that being a thing that's mm-hmm. running throughout. That might have been happening in the background if you have a James Gunn in the chair, but they just didn't have that. Right, yeah. I mean, I think you heard that in the in the Gardens episode we did because yeah, Adam had mentioned that that originally the plan was Gunn was going to do three Guardians movies and then he was just going to kind of like oversee the cosmic side of Marvel. And yeah, that would have been a great idea. And Thor is the perfect bridge character between those two worlds, him and Captain Marvel. They're, absolutely, they're these perfect bridge characters between what's going on on Earth and what's going on in, yeah, in the space stuff. And especially Thor because he's already been fam- he's already been introduced to audiences. Audiences are already familiar with him, so that's the perfect yeah. gateway. To and especially him going off with the Guardians, again, perfect gateway to do that. Yeah. In fact, that's probably what I would have had this movie be. I would have had um, doing a doing a, an adventure with the Guardians or something, and in the background you have this whole thing where they keep finding these planets of dead gods, and yeah. then you're leading up to the God Butcher in uh, in a fourth Thor movie instead, and do it do yeah. it that way. Well, I'm not sure if you guys talked about the original timeline, but obviously, you know, COVID 
ruined the Marvel mm. timeline effectively in terms right. of when movies came out, the length of time it took to make them. I think I believe Guardians Three was supposed to come out before a fourth Thor movie. So I could imagine as part of that, even what you were just talking about, imagine just the Guardians going to all these different planets and they're seeing mm. like they're beings not realizing they're gods and then within this fourth Thor movie it just comes back around and crescendos and you go oh my god this is what Thor's needing to fight that would be fascinating yeah yeah yeah. it also would be the perfect way to bring in Jane as the replace as the new Thor basically because you could have this thing I mean again I'm kind of arguing against myself here because I like the idea of him (laughs) of Thor not going to the heroic death but yeah or like maybe even him losing his worthiness in a battle oh, yeah. war or something like that. And then, and then Jane picks up after that. And then he, you know, he accepts the fact that he's not worthy. He's happy that he's not worthy. He gives up the hammer. I think that would have been, it would have been a good closer for his character arc and also would have set the stage for something really interesting with Jane as Thor going forward. Yeah. I think, I think what we're effectively coming to the conclusion of here is that this should have been the swan song, right? For Chris Hemsworth, at least yeah. as the mighty Thor. I feel like mm. it could. This should have been a way for him to bow out on a high, and yeah, I'd love the idea of Jane Foster taking over and been been the the Thor moving forward for the universe. But I feel like they just got a bit too wrapped up in we've got these amazing stars, we need to use them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think well, even like you know, looking at some of the stuff that was cut from this movie, because you also had um, Jeff Goldblum and Peter Dinklage were supposed to come back, and it says right. that their scenes were actually cut, so they were in this movie. And I don't know where they would have been put in. Maybe in that, um, I guess maybe in that Olympia scene is the only thing I could think of when they're at the Celestial City. crap one line, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. And Lena Headey was also supposed to have a a part in this. I don't know what she was supposed to do. I read that. That would have been really interesting. Because she, like for me, if you're talking serious, serious actors, she really has Mm -hmm. that in droves. Um, I don't know. You you might have seen the the more recent um, Dread movie with... uh, God, what's his name? Who's the dude who was... Oh, Carl uh, Urban. Carl Urban. Why am I forgetting his name? No. I love him in The Boys and everything. That and in, um, in the Thor movies, he was, uh, he was Scourge in uh, exactly, Ragnarok. Exactly, yeah. Uh, he's, she's terrifying in that film. I'd love to have seen her in, 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 bringing some real gravitas to this and making mm. it a more serious... Um, just generally a more serious outing. I feel like she could have been a god who maybe put up a fight against Gore, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, also too. Again, going back to the whole the whole Sif thing of it, like, it would have been nice to see her putting up a fight against Gore. And I, I get what yeah, they're trying to do. They're trying to they're trying to build up the idea of Gore as this big threat, so you don't see how you only see the aftermath of his devastation. Yeah. But you keep undercutting that with the humor, and it just it and it doesn't work. Absolutely, and I like the idea. That, did you ever watch Game of Thrones? Mm, here and there, like I haven't watched. In and out. The, yeah. Fair enough. Oh, no, this, the, it's, it's funny because there's a great scene whereby one of the cocky characters talks to Sean Bean's character and says, like, how come you never fight people in tourneys? And he says, effectively, like, because when I get onto a real battlefield, I don't want people to know exactly what I can do. And now mm-hmm. that if you took that perspective of this and you go, you don't want people to know what Gore can do. Perfect. That's a great way to yeah. do this. But as soon as you layer over the fact that Sif's uh, arm getting cut off was used for a joke and you're a bit like... Come on, guys. Like, I, I want the seriousness to this film. Yes, yeah. I mean, especially that scene, It, sh- it does. that's a scene that deserves to have the full weight and drama to it. Like, yeah. you can have humor in other parts of the movie. Like, I don't want this to be, you know, <clears throat> you know, Batman v Superman, where there's there's no, there's no, there's no even chance of humor, Levity. right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you want to have, 
you know, going back to the Nolan films, everyone talks about how serious and dark they were. There's lots of moments in levity in, in oh, those yeah. movies. I um, love, we were talking about this just recently. I absolutely love Michael Caine in those movies because he yeah. is almost that. He brings an amount of levity that is just, I didn't expect it from him at all, but it's great. Well, yeah, I mean, like the one of my favorite scenes when, you know, he says he's going to give up being Batman in the Dark Knight and he's going to turn himself in. And and then and then um, Alfred's like, I guess they're going to lock me up as your accomplice. Like, no, I'm going to tell him it was all your idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my favorite lines in those movies. It's great. Um, Yeah. One thing we didn't talk about talking of humor and something that I I would love to know why you think this was in there to start with the. The classic screaming goat meme, which feels like Taika Waititi saw something on the internet and went, that's funny. I'm going to put that everywhere. Mm. Because, wow, there was too much screaming goats in this movie. I mean, the goats are from the comics. So I think that was... Yes. Uh, he wanted an excuse to bring some, bring in bring in something from the comics. I, I thought it was... Yeah, of the things that bothered me in this movie, that, that was kind of low on my list. It didn't bother me that much. I thought it was... It was funny at first, and... Um, and it it just it was of all the other stuff that was going on that was probably the thing that bothered me the least of everything okay, else that was right. bothering me. I'd love to know the hierarchy of that list. What what was the thing that annoyed you the absolute most? Um, it's a good question. I think it it would it's maybe it's a tie between the the jealous hammer and Korg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the best thing the best thing about that is even when you think you've got rid of cog they keep his face and you're like just <laughs> stop talking yeah yeah i mean it's like i and it it it, it hurts for me to say that because i loved korg and ragnarok i thought he was same, one of the best things same. about it but it's the sparingly thing you talked about yeah yeah uh but also i want to talk about the designs a little bit because well yeah and you know that whole that whole idea and i kind of touched on this a little bit but some of my, one of my favorite scenes in this is the scene with um, when Val goes to Jane right before they're about to leave, and and yeah, you got the funny little joke where she's got the spe- she's got the portable speaker, which I thought was great. Yeah. Um, but also just this sisterhood bond, right? This you know, yeah. Where because and that that's that was such a great moment because Val has lost all her sisters. She's lost her sister mm. warriors. So mm. and having now Jane and having this new sister warrior and she's been a new Asgard now for some time now Jane has been we 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 see yeah. obviously because you know you know um Sif mentioned the fact like oh she's really good at saving people she's not good at the at the at the at the quips and all that Quipping. kind of stuff so yeah right so you feel like she's they've they've had some you know at least some like small adventures together at least or at least some combat yeah. training or something together and so like and just like their interaction in that scene I'm just like i I want more of this. I want to see more of of Val and and Jane having a relationship and seeing how they interact with each other. Yeah, I think one thing the MCU has done consistently really well is like mini team ups within movies. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know I keep going on about it. I'm sorry, but like for example, uh, for, for example, going back to the Winter Soldier, it's Cap and Black Widow, or it's right. it's Cap and Falcon in some movies. These mini team ups. Like they don't always work perfectly. Like if you watch the Captain America: The Winter Soldier show, Winter Soldier show, is that what it's called? No, it's it's Falcon: The Winter Soldier. Oh, show, Falcon: right? The Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. I knew it was a thing. Uh, that, I, I didn't love that dynamic, but I, I know that movie was completely butchered because of COVID. Like, did, did you know this? Apparently, within that whole show, there was a, a storyline about a pandemic. Oh yeah, they just had oh, to yeah. rip it all out. Yeah, 
Madness. That's yeah. so interesting. And it was supposed to, I think it was actually originally supposed to be like nine episodes instead of they knocked it down right. to six. Um, mm. I don't, the, yeah. Actually, the, the Sam and, and, and Bucky stuff was what I loved the most about that show, actually. Right. Interesting. Well, I, 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 I kind of agree. I think because it was so stilted and like it, it felt cut weirdly at times. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't always work and it felt like they took leaps in logic and I yeah, almost yeah. feel like some of those sensibilities came through in this, this film. Like I love the bits where you got these little team ups, like, like the Thor and Jane, I thought mm. explore that some more, just give them more screen time. But eventually it just ended up being Thor and Jane on, on screen together all the time. But I wanted to see more of what you wanted to see. Well, yeah. I mean that whole thing about Thor and Jane, like, I mean, they, they had this, this, you know, this great relationship and it, it it burns out because they've got these different commitments and yeah. and now they're in a situation where they have to work together. And that's a, you know, having to being forced in a situation where you have to work with your ex and you've still got lingering feelings. Yeah. That's a really compelling idea. And just like, and you can use that as, or like even the fact that, you know, she's dying and, you know, yeah. there, there'd be some understandable com- conflicting opinions about that, right? You don't want her to die, yeah. but at the same hand, time, you know, how, how supportive can you really feel like you can be in that situation? You know, um, you don't want to feel like you're taking advantage or anything like that. So there's yeah. there's a lot of interesting dynamics you could explore with that. Just like, again, I keep going back to Guardians 3 because it's it's fresh yeah. in my mind and it's just, it was it, it's such an amazing movie. But the, how they had worked, they'd use that relationships between um, Quill and Gamora so perfectly in that. And they yeah, used to tell agreed. this really beautiful story. And it's just like, I, I wanted that here because I mean, I know a lot of people didn't really like the, the Jane and Thor matchup. They'd said like, they felt like uh, Portman and Hemsworth didn't have enough chemistry together. Right. I thought they were great together. I, I always thought I really enjoyed watching them on screen all in both uh, Thor and, and the dark world. Yeah, I, I, that's never something I ever really picked up on. I think it, it, what's interesting about these movies is it's effectively the Star Wars thing. That's Star Wars, sorry. God, that's going to make people angry. The Star Trek thing. <laughs> every every other movie is a bad movie. So the first one I liked, the second one was pretty pretty tough. Third one was good. Fourth one wasn't great. Uh, mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, uh, so I don't, know if, I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of doing this, but I actually during COVID for the most part, I sat down and I effectively made my partner watch all of the uh all mm. of the mcu movies so we we had this little like thing going on whereby we both had a no veto week and i could watch something one weekend that she couldn't say no to and then the next weekend she could watch something <laughs> i couldn't say no to interesting movie choices i'm not gonna lie to you but we got through the majority of the mcu <laughs> and she absolutely loved thor and jane foster on screen and i think it's a, it's yeah. an interesting thing to talk about the conversation we're having right now it's super deep it's super nerdy which i love but these movies, to make a billion dollars, they have to appeal to the likes of my girlfriend. So I'll take her with exactly. me. So I know she'll be interested in seeing this. And she loved the second Thor movie, where I'm like, why are we watching this? <laughs> but she loved it. And, uh, and I think it's it, that's a reason why people would have wanted to go and see this in cinemas, getting that relationship back on the screen. And um, yeah. I think it's a shame that they wasted it. No, yeah, yeah, we did that um, when. Uh, in fact, funny story when when my wife and I started dating, she said that she doesn't like superhero movies. I'm like, oh, I don't know how this is going to work out. And um, <laughs> so, I showed her Guardians of the Galaxy, and she loved it. Right. And then I showed her Guardians of the Galaxy too, and she loved that. And then I showed her Deadpool, the Deadpool movies. She loved those. And then I'm like, okay, now she's primed. 
Now we can start off with the MCU from the start. <laughs> we went through and we watched all the whole MCU. So she watched them all. Perfect. You know what's funny? I the look, I'm phenomenal. But the only thing that gives me pause is the fact that A, she loved the Thor the second Thor movie, and B, she didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> They're the only things that make me go, Oh, is this gonna be <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> that first Guardians is the piece. It's 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 such an amazing movie. Yeah, when she when she loved when she ended up loving that, I'm like, okay, good. All right, now now yeah. I can work with this here. <laughs> yeah. I, I walked. I, I actually sat down and watched the first Guardians again just after watching the third one. I was like, I was so into it. Like I had the mm. I had the playlist playing on Spotify. I was absolutely loving loving life. And I just sat and I watched it one evening when the girlfriend was out of yoga, and she walked in. And she was like, oh, this. And I was like, ah. <laughs> But it's funny talking about the music because going back to um, Thor, Love and Thunder, what did you think about the music in this? Because I felt at times it was a bit out of place and a bit on the nose. Yeah, a little bit. But at the mo- at the same time, it's... Again, I feel like maybe Taika's trying to take too many cues from Gunn in, the, in, yeah, the, in what agreed. he's doing here. Um, I mean, I thought they were great songs. Um, I thought mm. I thought it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, but also, like even the thing with, um, you know, Heimdall's son changing his name to Axel because of Guns N' Roses. I'm like, okay, you're you're pushing things too far now. Yeah, yeah, and the CGI on the Heimdall's son when he has the vision of him, it's just mm. oh, physical. Well, I mean, pain. I just I didn't like the whole. I didn't like a anything with the kids in this basically like right interesting because we didn't really touch on that at all that's yeah i mean i just thought like every time they were on i mean i thought the scene with gore ripping off octi's head was creepy as fuck but yeah and i thought that was so creepy and yeah i mean i thought he looked that it was a great way to establish like how menacing is but i don't think you need the kids to have Thor want to stop this guy. Like, I don't think you need yeah. that. I don't think that's a nece- that's a necessary part of it. Agreed. I, I feel like, I feel like the original idea for this movie was something along the lines of they fridge a character, right? You obviously mm-hmm. across the concept of fridging, they fridge right. a character, probably someone like a Valkyrie, something like that to give Thor well, motivation to go after. Even Sith. Yeah. A hundred percent. Right. Right on the nose. One of these characters. And then they kind of maybe went, Oh, you know, in today's day and age, fridging, especially a mm. female character, is probably not the best way to go about this. So they had to find some other motivation to keep him really invested. And I just, I just didn't vibe. Same with you. The, the kid stuff just didn't jive with me. I mean, I think you even had that when he finds out all these gods are dying. I mean, like that's same. That's something he's going to want to get to the bottom of. It totally makes sense why he'd want to f- figure out what the hell's going on here. I mean, because that, that was his motivation in the comics. All these gods are dying. He wants to find out why. And Some of that's all friends, you need. Like, that's, yeah. yeah, that's all you need. That's all you need right there. You don't have to You don't have to kill a character that the audience loves and is waiting to come back to. Or in this case, chop off her arm so you don't kill her. And you <laughs> kind of have it, you kind of try to have it both ways. And then you have these, yeah. you know, really irritating kids the whole time. And it's just like, it's, none of that is necessary. Perry, I love that we started this podcast by you saying you were you were a bit of an apologizer for this movie, and I've managed to bring out the hate in you. I've managed to do it. It's great. Well, I mean, because I, so I mean, I, there is a lot of stuff that I do like about. It. Like, I think the Jane yeah. stuff is great, like we talked about, Agreed. and you know, the stuff Agreed. with Valkyrie. Like, the, it's just there's mostly we're focusing on the bad stuff here, and I and I know people are probably thinking like, oh, he hates this movie. Actually, I'm like, no, yeah. I don't. Like, I I had fun rewatching it last night, but it is this. 
when you're when you're sitting down, you're trying to examine these things with a more critical eye. These things are going to come up. And yeah, great. Um, well, what what do you think about the designs they used for the characters? Let's talk. That's a good way to probably uh, close things up on. Yeah, I I found them really interesting actually. I and I know there's a lot of comic law behind a few of them, especially the the blue Thor outfit. Mm. I didn't love it though. I felt like they were trying to make it distinctly different from what he had previously, and distinctly different from what Jane. Jane Foster was wearing. I right. did, it didn't jive for me. I, it sort of made him feel almost like, like a, I don't know, like a Jeff Koons artwork. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it was just too shiny and bright. Um, and I think in general, the sort of cinematography of this whole film is that. It is this sort of like garish, overly gold, overly bright uh, visual, which is which is so different from what we had. If you look at the original Thor movie you were talking about, mm. and I know they've evolved since then, but like that's in New Mexico. That's pretty much the whole film. It's just sand. It's it's basically that. Uh, it's basically one of the Star Wars prequels. We hate sand. Mm. Um, <laughs> it it is just that the whole way through. And taking away that grittiness, I feel adds to the. It, it just adds to that shiny veneer, uh, which is completely false. That almost mm. leans into what the the rest of the gods are touting yeah yeah no I, I i agree with you on that on that armor i like i thought the the costume he wears at the beginning where he's with the guardians that fit because he's he's hanging out with the guardians he's dressing yeah, more like yeah. well i thought that was a yeah, that was a very nice choice and then he changes into that viking outfit which comes straight out of the jason aaron run and that's that cool. should have been his look going forward throughout this movie. I thought that look yeah. was so great. He it looked it looked amazing. Hemsworth wore it well, and I could understand the armor for like a scene when he sees Jane or something like that. But then you know, have him go back to the regular you know the the classic Viking outfit was a little bit was much better. I thought, and mm. so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like I like the the nod to the comics, and but at the same time, I mean. Even when that armor was in the comics, it was bit it was a bit too much when we saw it in the comics yeah, too. Yeah. So I don't feel like that. It, it's nice to have it as like a nod, you know, kind of like they had the helmet at the beginning yeah. of the first Thor movie, and then he takes it yeah. off, um, yeah. or like in the beginning, or like this when they show him as a teenager and he's wearing the helmet. Fine, you know, have it for like a scene or something as like a callback. Yeah. Same thing when they had the the mention of Loki turning him into a frog in in Ragnarok, right? Yep. Fun moment. I love that they have that moment in there, but it's not something I'd want to see like being like the whole movie. That was in that was in the Loki series, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they actually had they had Thrawn there too. Yeah. I I think on the flip side of that is though, I think they they got Gore so right. I think in terms of the design specifically the design, like it would have been very easy to, you know, go for the comic look, no nose, get him confused with Voldemort. Mm. We'd all be having a good time at his expense. But I think they really nailed the the creepiness of him, like the the shot, like the way the teeth became shot, like his whole arc from being a nice, you know, father effectively, right, to this evil um, deity killer, back to mm. being sort of like getting his redemption at the end. It the look just works the whole way through. Yes, yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. I thought Gore looked amazing, and you know. And I thought it was it was it was it was a nice callback that you know Bale leaned back into his machinist days for that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was I real thought, creepy, wasn't it? When he was skinny. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. so creepy. And I remember <laughs> funny story when he asked Nolan about being Batman. He's like, "What do I have to yeah. do to get to 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 get this role?" And Nolan's like, "Eat a lot." 
<laughs> and then he went in and he had, he had overdone it. They went when he went in for the audition. Someone was like whispering, "Is this supposed to be Batman or Fat Man?" <laughs> he got big for that movie as well. He went. He got big. Yeah, he yeah. went hard. Yeah, he went real. Um, hard. But yeah, I thought his look was amazing in it. Um, and I thought Jane too. Like they did it, and like they basically just one hundred percent took the look from the comics, just put it up on screen, and it looked Absolutely. great. Um, I thought it was weird <laughs> the, in that. Uh, the, sorry, yeah. Uh, the last scene, though, when she's um, when like her helmet's splitting up, like they they that the CGI was wonky in that when like her helmet's oh. like broken. I noticed at this side. I'm like, what? I'm like, like just have the helmet knocked up, broken off, and you know don't don't have it at all. Like there's no reason to have it where like half of it is still on your face and it's like this really terrible CGI. I find that so odd, and I find it really odd that in the minute there's this trend of especially in Marvel movies that all the masks are CGI. Why? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, this is the, this is one of my pet peeves about superhero movies is the fact that there's always got to be that obligatory scene where the hero's mask comes off. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and like, but even before the CGI stuff, even before like the nano machines and all that, right. You always had that scene in, in the spot, in the, in the Spider-Man movies where uh, Tobey Maguire would pull off his mask and just like, why are you doing this? Or like in the Avengers, my favorite moment was in the Avengers when the, the Chitauri grabs Cap's head and he just conveniently pulls his mask off. <laughs> cause you, it's cause a, you paid for, you paid it. for Chris Evans face. Yeah. You got to see Chris Evans face. <laughs> exactly. And I get it. That's exactly what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like the whole point of the superhero is it's that. Exactly. Agree. I mean, like, uh, Kudos to Ryan Reynolds for keeping the mask on all throughout the Deadpool 100%. movies or being completely disfigured in them, right? And it's like yeah, kudos to him for, for doing that and willing to willing to do that and like probably pushing for that, I imagine. Because I imagine Fox like, no, we paid for yeah. Ryan Reynolds, we want Ryan Reynolds' face. And there is yeah. like, no, you gotta have me covered up in this. My um, favorite part of my favorite part of the first Deadpool movie is actually at the very end when he takes the mask off and he just has the, the Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Hugh Jackman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a mask on a mask it's great the last thing i wanted to quickly mention before uh, you wrap up is the the sword the necro sword because they obviously changed it mm. from the comics it's very different in this um i, I didn't love the look of it like in, in the movie like it was fine mm. i didn't really have a problem with it i thought the it, it it reminded me a lot of the black knight sword the whole thing about the curse and all that and how it's calling out oh, to yeah, him okay. So um, I'm not sure because they had had that whole thing in the end of Eternals where Dane ha- has the the ebony yeah. blade, and I wondered if they were trying to establish some sort of set up some sort of link between the two. Oh, interesting! Or some sort of like sword in in a universe, <laughs> just some sort of sword in a universe, you know, like something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the movie is. I think, you know what, if we hadn't had Ragnarok, I think I would have enjoyed this movie a lot more. But the fact that we did have Ragnarok, it's it, it set the bar so high that yeah. Taika just wasn't able to, to live up to the expectations. Because, um, yeah. again, like, if I'm going to rank the Thor movies, Ragnarok is obviously going to be number one with a bullet. Um, and, yeah, I think I'd probably put I'd, put... I'd put the first Thor movie second, and I guess Rude. this would probably be third. That's hard to say, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, because... I mean, I I am a bit of apologist for the Dark World. I actually kind of enjoy that. There's there's things I enjoy about that. So it's funny, the Dark World too. I had a lot of criticism to that movie when we talked about it on the show. But yeah. that is still it's a movie that I enjoy more than I don't. Like it's 
it's not a movie like the only movie I skip on rewatches is Iron Man three. That's that's the one I just like skip over. Yeah, mine's out. Although probably now uh, Eternals would probably also be in there too. Yeah, Eternals isn't great. You know what's interesting? When Eternals first came out, I really enjoyed that movie because I was like, I, I I was at the point of getting a bit sick of all of the the, the over let's let's call it oversaturation of comedy in these mm. movies, and I really wanted something a little bit more serious, and that kind of gave me that. But then as soon as mm. I you know, I had like two or three days out from watching it. I went, oh, actually, that was crap, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought Gemma, uh, was it Gemma Chan? Gemma uh, Chan. I thought she was yeah. great. Yeah, I thought she was yeah. great. And I really liked, um, uh, I really liked Dane, Dane in it too. I thought he was a, yeah. I thought I, I wanted to see more of him. Minutes, yeah. He's yeah. only in it for like five yeah, minutes, yeah. which is, which is, a, which is annoying, but I, I would have liked to see more of him too. But yeah, everything else about that movie, it's just like, didn't quite, um, I mean, I'm also biased because like Eternals is one of those things that I just have no interest in. Like not sure. even Neil Gaiman could get me to care about the Eternals. So I don't think Interesting. Uh, so Chloe Zhao was had an uphill battle with that anyway with me. Yeah. I mean, they've done it before, right? Big creating ensemble movies out of, no, out mm. of nothing. Right. And I oh, think yeah. it was, it was really interesting because I wasn't sure what was supposed to be the bad guy in that it was like what am i what, yeah. what should i focus on i'm so confused here and even when they had uh what, what were they called the um what were the opposites of the eternals it was like the oh the, the deviants the deviants even when they had the deviants at the end it was almost like tacked on it was like well mm. just have them in the back they don't, you don't need the, the this big deviant to come out at the end like the real battles yeah. elsewhere exactly yeah yeah well also too like the I think if you had got like Gaiman had done this Eternals miniseries back in the early 2000s, right. I think it was. And in that series, he had established like the, the driving force was that the Eternals had lost their memories. They had had like a form of amnesia and they had to. And I thought that would have been a great way to explain why they've been doing fuck all during the <laughs> during the Thanos stuff. <laughs> yeah, totally. I really like that bit where he's like, where were you when Thanos was here? I think. It's, yeah. It's, and it's, it's, I mean, well, that's an example. That's an example of lampshading that doesn't work. <laughs> 100 percent absolutely um but yeah um anyway i think that about brings us to the end uh of love and thunder uh do you have any final things you wanted to say about it um i got an i'm not gonna lie to you i wasn't joking before about watching zelda while i was watching when i, when I was half watching this <laughs> i did play a lot that night i thought we, i i chose this because i thought we could have a bit of fun tearing its pieces and having a laugh with it and then getting into it i was like Ah, oh, this is everything I remember it being. So I appreciate you for um for letting me letting me have this moment. <laughs> it was a bad moment. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. Like I said, I think there's some things I like about it, but yeah, and it's just like it's it's got it's got a lot of potential that's just wasted. Is really yeah. the the biggest sin of this movie. It's not. I don't. I wouldn't go. Yeah, I I wouldn't go so far to call it a bad movie because I think it does have some good performances. Got some great action. It's just like it's. Mm. It's just it just doesn't live up to that potential that it sets for itself. Yeah, look, the internet's polarizing. You've got to choose one or the other, and I went. I certainly <laughs> went. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny when I was because this movie has gotten torn to pieces by like by like Twitter mm-hmm. and Reddit and all that stuff. But when I was looking it up on Wikipedia last night, I was looking up the reception. It actually got a much more even-handed reviews in like the in like the press and stuff like that like it like people like Did some they? people are like oh yeah it's it's pretty good it's like most people gave it like a c or c or b i think or if you're going to grade it on a on a letter scale that's interesting i didn't realize that 
We on Podcast Assemble, we have uh, a very simple grading system. It's that, bi- it's, it's that binary version. We say like, is this better or worse than the most average movie that we know? And the most mm. average movie we could think of was Aquaman 2018. And I think at the time we oh, sort of okay. said, uh, this so is gonna... worse than that. What do yeah. you think? No, if we're going to compare, like, I love Aquaman. I, th- I, I had a lot of fun right. with Aquaman. So, so well, like, yeah. if, if I'm going to compare it to Aquaman, yeah, Aquaman, I'd take Aquaman over this. Absolutely. There you go. Me too. I would take Aquaman over this as well. I was trying to think of what the uh, what the um, critical reception of this was like when it first came out. And IMDb was about 6.4. Rotten Tomatoes was 74. And Metacritic was 57. Mm-hmm. And I think that says it all for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think too, like, there's, there's just a lot of anticipation. Like you said, um, yeah, we're kind of hoping that this would like, kind of like write the ship for the MCU. This is supposed yeah. to be like Marvel's big movie coming out of the pandemic. That was supposed to like get everything back on track. Yeah. And I think it, there were too much, there was too much expectation for it that it would never have lived Great. up to, even if it was a better movie, I don't think it would have lived up to those expectations. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, it's, I like I know Hemsworth has said like you know he's be willing to come back if the story's right and and I really hope he does because I think he deserves a better movie to close out his run. Agreed, absolutely agreed. I mean, and it's possible because we had that happen with with Downey. He had Iron Man three, which was a it was kind of like they closed the book on him, but they left it open just a little bit in case he was going to come back because at that point it was his last yeah. movie he was contracted for, and. Yeah. And I'm glad they didn't end that on him. Like they ended up bringing him yeah. back for for Civil War and the Infinity War and Endgame. And then Endgame was like the perfect way to close out his story. Same thing with uh, Chris Evans. Like they both got a perfect closure to their story. And yeah. Hemsworth deserves that too because he's the last point on that tr- Trinity. He deserves that that good movie to close out his legacy as this character. Agreed. And I'm going to say this with complete love. And I, I know some people might be m- might not love this thought, but. I have the same feeling about this version of the character as I do about Batman in movies at the moment. I love the Robert Pattinson Batman movie. I think the Flash movie is effectively going to be a Batman film. But I would just love if they could give Batman five, maybe ten years, just not making a Batman film, so that when we get him again, we're all like, oh my God, it's Batman, he's back. Mm -hmm. Where I think if you gave Chris, Chris Hemsworth, you know, a little bit of time, just let him take a break. What he's trying to take a break from movies a little bit anyway. You just give him that for I don't know five years, seven years, maybe ten. Let the next big Avengers movie roll around. When we see him again, how exciting would you be for him to finish out his his tenure? No, absolutely. I think that'd be great. I mean, I think the one I go to for that is the Joker. Like we don't need to see the Joker for like fifteen years. I think. One hundred percent. I mean, um, and yeah, I think that would be great. And it's not like we're gonna there's going to be a big void. It's not like we're going to be missing him because Marvel's got so <laughs> many other characters that they can play with now. So many. I well, mean, even this is Jane Foster. Exactly. This is another example of a wasted opportunity. You could have had Jane pick up the mantle and she could have been, you know, run as Thor for a little bit. Um, yeah. You could even try to bring in, you know, Thunderstrike, Eric Masterson and, you know, bring, do, yeah, do a spin on that one. That'd be interesting. Right. Especially because, yeah. you know, Hemsworth was wearing a version of the Masterson co- costume at the beginning of this movie. Um, or even, um, what's the guy called? Why have I forgotten his name? The horse face guy. Oh, Beta Ray Bill. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Give me Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, yeah I was, I was so psyched when we saw him, uh, his face on the, in, in the, in Ragnarok. And I'm like, oh, maybe we're going to get him in, in this movie. That was one of the things everyone was, was hoping for. And, you know, yeah, have him come up and you got Stormbreaker already. 
have him come on and take over Stormbreaker for a bit. And then, you know, you get to a point where you need Thor in like Secret Wars or something like that, where all of a sudden, just like he came in an Infinity War, boom, Thor comes back. He's got he's got Mjolnir again. And, yeah, you know, he's, he's there to kick, kick some ass. A hundred percent. I mean, like that the place of love I'm coming from is that you can just imagine that that feeling that that feeling exactly from Infinity War where he, where he yes. bursts in and starts you know, wiping out everyone. I, I'd love to see that. Yes, absolutely. Um, although I would say, bring back the eye patch. I actually thought that was a cool look for him with the oh, short hair and the, the eye, eye patch. That was a great yeah. look. I, I was so bummed when they got rid of that. And I'm just like, oh, no, bring it back. Bring it back. It's another missed opportunity. Like, I feel yeah. like Marvel just tried to just spit through so many things so quickly in the last mm-hmm. few years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, even like his, you know, the brief interaction he had with Captain Marvel, I thought that was amazing in Endgame. I'm like, I wouldn't see yeah. more of them working together. Yeah, could you imagine them being on opposite sides in Secret War at least to start with, thinking they're oh. opponents? Oh yeah, that would be so cool. Yeah. Oh, now, now we're just now we're now we're just writing fanfics. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is a lot of fun, Tommy. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, why don't you tell people where they can find your your podcast? Absolutely. Thanks, Pay. I really appreciate it. Great to uh, great to watch Zelda and play this movie or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, you can find us. We're across all major streaming, all major podcast platforms. We are Podcast Assemble, Spotify, Apple, whatever you want. We're across them all. Uh, you can find us at Podcast Assemble on Instagram, or if you really want to, you can email us at thepodcastassemble@gmail.com. Check out our YouTube stuff. I do quick, short videos. Thanks so much for coming on. This is a it was a lot of fun, and uh, we'll have links to that stuff in the show notes, so everybody can go check those out. As for us, we are superherocinephiles.com is the website. Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And remember, if you subscribe to the Patreon page. For as little as a dollar a month, you get to watch these, uh, you get to listen to these episodes a week in advance, no ads, and you also get access to the uh, Book Club Companion podcast, where we talk about comic books and graphic novels about once a month or so. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Superhero Cinephiles, then you'll also love my companion podcast, the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club. All my Patreon subscribers get access to this exclusive podcast, where I review superhero comics and graphic novels. Not sure what comics you want to read next or what you should dive into? I've got you covered on that. I'll be doing reviews, recommendations, and also talking to you about useful entry points if you're interested in reading some comics but don't know where you should start. Plus, you'll get access to all episodes of the main show a week before everyone else. On all of this, for as little as just a dollar a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash supercinemapod and you can sign up at any subscription amount to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always... Good night, good evening, God bless.